Hey, what's up? It's Peter Rosenberg, uh, ESPN, WWE, Hot 97, all that stuff. I'm live from New York City right now. I'm hanging with Bear the Dog, and you're not listening to the worst podcast, but at the same time, it's not the best podcast. No, no, literally, you're listening to not the best podcast, all right? Talking about real-life issues, real-life things, real talk, real people, all right? Not the best podcast. I'm Peter Rosenberg. Peace. Welcome to the podcast. It's not the best podcast, but the expectations of the name, so you can't say we didn't warn you. Alongside Naldo, alongside Ridge, it's me, the D-I-Z. Mm. I like the way you said my name that time, son. How'd I say it? Ridge. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually alongside Naldo, alongside Ridge. It's me, the D-I-Z. You, you hit me with the Ridge. Whatever, y'all. I was smooth this Good time. Fellas. I like that. Yeah, what's going on, guys? Got our special guest here with us today. We sure oh, do. Special. Yeah. Special is the word. Do we even know this guy? Huh? I don't know. I think he just Sometimes. showed up. This character. Somehow we got the password to the Zoom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we have Mr. Antonio Perales here with us this evening. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Yeah, we're going to call him Tony because we don't think yeah. he's fancy enough to be Antonio. No. That's, no. that's my street name, Tony. He yeah. tried. He tried to remind us with his with his name uh, name tag down there. Nah, son, you Tony. <laughs> Thanks. I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know Tony, um, he is uh, our very close friend. Uh, my voice cracked. <laughs> yeah, I thought you was about to start crying. Getting mad emotional. <laughs> I thought you got emotional. I thought you got emotional. Oh, that my really close friend. <laughs> <laughs> really, my really close friend. This is my quarterback. <laughs> this is my quarterback. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we, all right, guys. Sorry, right, guys. I'm sorry. Stay on track here. Uh, he's our really close <laughs> friend, our uh, college uh, fraternity brother. Uh, <laughs> Mad eyebrow. Oh, yeah, sorry, uh, a Jace. Um, <laughs> And all that good stuff, man. Uh, obviously, we, we you know we've been friends for um, probably going on 15, 16 years now. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, so yeah, so I mean, we're all we're all family here. Facts. Everybody in here know each other's mama. That's, <laughs> that's, that's how you know it's real. Yeah, let, me, <laughs> let me tell you something about Tony's mama. <laughs> That's the podcast. Uh, and that's the podcast. <laughs> everybody, uh, everybody, everybody loves Tony's mom's man. Yeah, everybody's gonna try to look for my mom now. Yeah. <laughs> They're gonna try to Google. They, they won't be disappointed. Um, so anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So Tony, tell tell us a little bit about your experience with quarantine, man. How's that been going for you? Quarantine has been very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Changed a little bit of it actually, I resided between California and New Jersey. As a result of COVID, I had to come back to New Jersey full time. Um, but prior to, I did the first four months of quarantine in California. And it was like sunsets and I was like on the beach. And then I had to do quarantine in Jersey. And it was like, <laughs> I'm inside the apartment, <laughs> snowing, and there's no sunlight. But it's been a very interesting experience nonetheless i i mean i think if you haven't learned anything through quarantine you haven't been paying attention so um it's been a interesting time how about you guys 
I mean, I, I know some of your quarantine stories, but I know Jamal, you have a baby at home and y'all wiped up. How's yours? COVID situation has been yeah, not just in Florida, so I don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> they don't believe in COVID out there. Yeah, I don't know what happens in Florida. I have COVID no idea. In Florida. <laughs> no like, idea. Like, what's that? What's that? What you no. talking about? <coughs> what you talking about? Corona? <laughs> we got Coronas? Yeah, for real. Exactly. They're actually on sale. <laughs> Word. No, man. I mean, I mean, the best thing, obviously, to come out of this quarantine, I think, for us, was this podcast. Um, Try know, it. I think we've kind of, um, you know, that's well documented about how, you know, a lot of the things that we were going through all personally, individually, uh, kind of birthed this podcast. So, you know, it's been cool. I mean, you know, we're, I think it's episode 18. Ooh, wow. Yeah. So, Ooh, wow. God. Been cool. I'm, I'm so excited that you guys are actually doing this because I listen to the podcast and it's like, I feel like I'm listening to like conversations with my mm-hmm. friends. So like I like I'm like laughing in the background sometimes and getting all emotional. When I heard Marianne's podcast, by the way, I was just like, <laughs> you know, Marianne has a way of saying stuff to you. You just have to yeah. like, she, you don't yeah. think she's talking to you, but you know she is talking to you. You're just like, oh, you got to self evaluate. Oh, you got to you evaluate your life. It's reflection is what it is. Yeah. And her, I see. Well, pre COVID, I would see her like we'd go on vacation like every once in a while here and there. And she'd be, she's one of those, it'd be 12 o'clock at night. We'd be drunk by the beach. She's like, yo, but you got to think about the inner, the inner dialogue. I'm like, yo, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. But I love to listen to it. But yeah, so I'm excited for you guys. I think this is awesome. So thanks, man. One reason we wanted to have you on the show, obviously, um, you know, since you are a friend and family of the show, mm-hmm. um, one of the biggest things that we, you know, in creating the podcast is that we wanted to have daring conversations right conversations that are really fruitful conversations that you know people can really take in (laughs) daring as fuck yeah conversations that people can um you know relate to uh and maybe explore uh things about their relationships in life and really benefit them so um yeah so i guess today's topic uh today uh obviously you are a homosexual male is it weird that I, I said that? I don't know. It was just weird. You're like, you are a, and I'm like, I'm a. <laughs> Not <Yes>. the father. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I guess is a whole topic in itself, right? Like What's how, that? how people might, how we think people might identify um, mm-hmm. and, and like completely like subject label them as one thing. But in the meantime, there's, there's a whole spectrum of it. Right. So. That's true too. That's true too. So I shouldn't assume. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, it's not, and it's not, to no, be, you're right. You're right. No, you're absolutely right. 100%. And it's not to be, um, so, the, so now, you know so, what I mean? Like, you don't have to, don't feel like I put you on a spot to have to answer that question. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I guess even us having you on the show today was just kind of to talk about our, our, our friendship with you and how that's grown. Because when we met you, we weren't aware, you know, of your sexual orientation and, um, and not that we had to know, you know what I mean? But it, I guess it's something that, as, as you're growing up, you learn, you learn to, I guess, grow with people and accept things. And, and, and I guess, yeah. Hanging out with Tony when we first met, like we were pretty much assuming that Tony was a heterosexual male, mm. essentially. Right. Correct. Am I correct? Right. And yeah, yeah. Um, Tony at the time, I played that, I such. played that role very well. <laughs> right, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> 
he was living as such, right? So yeah. um, there was a point in time where Tony decided to come out and let everybody know um, that that wasn't the case. Brought him on the show essentially to find out what that experience was for him. And in turn, like, you know, how that affected our relationship with Tony. Let's start, I guess, prior to you, uh, I guess, coming out. Like, how was that experience in trying to, um, I guess, portray yourself as uh, a heterosexual male? I mean, that's a, you seem so nervous when you like speak about it. I appreciate the sensitivity in, yeah. in your dialogue. Um, I, I really do. And, and in all honesty, um, I, from a young age, had always been um, with both sexes for a very long time. I just hid one side and was active on the other side. Um, and I was gonna say very active <laughs> on the other side. <laughs> but I think that the, the idea is just that we're almost taught, like we're taught that there's something wrong with us where you're taught that there's nothing wrong with you. And it's not like they say, oh, you're straight, you're good. It's, oh, they're gay, they're weird, they're like bad. And so I think that for a long time, I just hid my truth. And then there's a moment, and I think for each of you, there's, you have this moment too, what, and it's not about your sexuality, it might be about something else, but there's a moment that you have to step in your truth. And there's not everything else, no matter what fear you have, that stepping into your truth is almost a necessity. Um, so it might be you standing up against somebody, maybe to your parents, having a difficult conversation with your dad, but there comes this moment of like, I have to be in my truth. And I think my life, until the moment that I recognized that my truth had to be at the forefront, um, I could hide it enough to get by as a straight boy. Mm -hmm. And now I don't think I can anymore. So, I don't know. so <laughs> what do you think was that like breaking moment for you where you were just like, all right, I'm done. Like, this is who I am, and I need everybody to know that. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think, the so I think when a, a minority, like a brown male, like black, Latino, and I guess even for white boys too, but it's just the idea that I think that there comes a moment that um, we almost have to be independent so that, and let me, let me rephrase this. For me, once I knew I was independent and I didn't need anybody was the moment that I said, I can come out. Because if I needed you for something and I knew you were going to deny me, which many people did, um, but if I knew that somebody was going to like deny me or push me away, if I didn't have my own independence, I would have succumbed to needing them to continue moving on. So I made myself completely independent, which is a defense mechanism, which we could talk about forever, but completely independent so that I could come out. And then um, it didn't matter what anybody said because I could take care of myself. So I think that as Latinos and minorities, that's what we're taught. It's like, it's bad to be gay. Um, and if you are gay and I don't like that, I'm gonna take it out on you. And that's what you see, which is a stem of fear. And in our community, it's just not an acceptable, not an acceptable thing. So what do you say to um someone that that kind of wants to make that 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 transition to be and to be open about their their sexual orientation? What do you say to them if they don't have that kind of independence? and or mm -hmm. like you know a, a break from everybody else i mean I, it's the same way with you on and i think it's interesting because there's always a correlation between the gay experience and the different experiences of oppressed communities right so whether it's your your sexuality like or male or female or your race there's these like barriers that kind of exist and i think that most people 
my advice to people that want to come out is simply that you can't live free until you're true. And there's no way around that, right? Like if you're in an unhappy marriage, you can't live free until you're true, right? If you're, if you are in bad situations, in a bad job, you can't live free until you're true. And that's the same thing I think with sexuality that until you break away from something that you know isn't right for you, you're not living in your truth. And I think there's a lot of people, not just gay people, just a lot of people in general that just don't live in their truth because they're scared of what's on the other side. Mm -hmm. So like I said, there's just a lot of correlations, I think, in my mind. Well said. No, for sure, for sure. And a lot of that stuff, you know, you let it build up. It does, it it turns into problems later on down the line, you know, just like mental illness, Mm -hmm. depression, anxiety, all that stuff. And, And I think there's, I think it's also interesting because I don't think it's like you're gay or you're straight. There's a very big spectrum. And I know you're all straight boys here. There's, but there's still a level to your straightness and not saying I'm trying to turn you off. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that each of you might have what you, what somebody might identify as being gay, but you may have a feminine mm-hmm. qualities or, or tendencies, right? Like you might do things that a purely straight man would be like, oh, wow, that's gay. But it's like, no, I just want to take care of myself. I want to get a manicure or a pedicure. I want to, you know, like those kinds of things. So that's one spectrum. And the other spectrum is, Guys that beat up gay guys are really scared because it's something that triggers inside of them about the gayness, right? It's not like, oh, I hate gay people. It's something about you being gay makes me uncomfortable in my straightness. And that's where that spectrum comes into play. So all these hate crimes and fear crimes, those boys are queens deep down inside in some way. <laughs> some they have, they have, they trying to put something in their mouth. They just don't, they're just trying not to. But it's like it's it it like. It, like, it just really does something. I mean, I don't think, but I, I don't think that's necessarily true. Because even if you look at hate crimes, you know, like from race to race, I'm sure when like a white person is is you know completely like beating up a black mm-hmm. person, I don't think that white person feels like they're 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 deep down inside like black. You know what I mean? But I, I do think well, the the phobia yeah, aspect of it is just being afraid of something that you you don't really understand. You know, and like reacting on that. I mean, I. I don't think you could say everyone who beats down and not, you know, that is okay. You know, like, obviously there's, there's someone wrong with anyone who decides like physical violence is the way to handle something. But like, mm-hmm. um, if, if someone, I wouldn't make that, that like assumption that if anyone who beats up on a gay guy is deep down inside of them. Yeah. I've, I've seen it happen a lot. And I've seen it where my friends who might be gay are entertaining, hooking up with a straight boy. And the mm-hmm. moment that that straight boy gets exposed, now they take it out on my friends. So that is, a, I see that a lot more often. And when I think of these hate crimes, I just think that there's a deep correlation. It's, and it's connected to male fragility, which is a whole nother conversation, but it's connected to this space of, wow, you're, you're stimulating something inside of me that I don't like. It's not, you're ruining my day for being gay. It's you did something to me that caused this emotion, which now I'm going to act on. Um, so I know it's not a blanket statement, but I do believe in that testament that there is a lot of, that 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 and when it comes to those hate crimes that there's a lot of this almost fluidity that's built in that causes people concern and they react on it so insecurity either way mm-hmm. insecurity whether it's personal or, or yeah it's, it's always personal so how did you like manage like your how do you manage like yourself like around like your friends before coming out and like what type of i guess feeling or anxiety you like live with on a day-to-day basis trying to i don't want to say hide it but maybe that is the right term like trying Mm -hmm. to hide it on you know on an everyday basis like what 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 was that like 
I just overcompensated in areas that made you guys think I was cool. Right, like, oh damn, she's really hot. Well, wow, that's though, but we never thought we, we never no. thought you was cool though. Never heard. Like it was about you. So let me take it back. Let me take it back. All right. So maybe you didn't think I was cool, but you <laughs> said, wow, he could get a girl, right? He could get a really attractive girl, a really pretty girl. And it wasn't like I was getting that girl just because I was hiding myself. I didn't recognize that it was it was still it was still something I was attracted to girls too. So it wasn't like I wasn't attracted to girls and I was doing it just to like hide. I just had two attractions. And then as I got older, one just completely, completely went away. <laughs> and the other one is, is no, I haven't, yeah, it's been. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> cool. The evolution, everybody. <laughs> so was there anxiety though? Like, did you feel like you were just like, you know, you walking on eggshells or it was like hot lava around us? See, the thing is that from a very young age, I was already accustomed to this. Mm-hmm. Like I was already, so like by the time I was in college and high school, it wasn't like I was hiding a part of myself. It was just a side of myself that you just didn't see. So it wasn't like I was lying about stuff. And also I was never really asked about it. So it was just, I had one experience here. And then, you know, I had a friend or two here that I would hook up with. So it was like this, it was a duality, not so much like, a hiding of one. It was just, there was just another experience that I was having. It just wasn't at the forefront of like conversations and stuff like that with, with my friends and family. So it wasn't like, I didn't have the anxiety. Um, I just, I just knew it was, it was me from a very young age. So. Mm -hmm. So I know that like we all have, um, so I know when you came out to me specifically, that was a one-on-one conversation. Was it the same with, you guys, I guess. Nah, I had to run down on him. Oh, <laughs> I think ran down on him. I think Nalda was with me too. Was it at the barbecue? It was I think at it the was barbecue. Together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. ran down on him together. He was like, "Yo, son, you don't got yeah. something to tell us, bro? We heard everybody in here know except for us, man. What's up? Like, <laughs> wait, did, 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 you, did you tell me before you told them? I think we knew before you because I remember you reacting. I'm yeah, sure. I I didn't react. I'm like, oh well, we can we can get there. But I mean, I already knew. But go ahead. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. And I think that people, <laughs> I think people that know you know, right? And they're just waiting for you to be okay and comfortable with yourself to have to have the dialogue. Um, but it's just a matter of when is the right time? Like when do you feel comfortable saying it? Um, and it's just the unfortunate thing that that's a burden that we have to carry that you don't, right? Like I have to come out to you and say, I'm gay, where you don't come out to me and say, Hey mom, I'm straight. And they're like, Oh my god, my son. Like now it's like it's like this, like this imbalance. And I think that's where the anxiety that you speak of stems from is that we're taught that we have to almost come to you. And like, even this, me coming out to you, I have to come to you and say, this is what I am. Will you accept me? Right. You never came to me and said, this is what I am. Would you accept me? Right. Like it was just a common space, but we just have this additional like layer that's built into it. And I know there's a lot of gay people that are still in the closet. I know men that are married that are gay. I know men that are, 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 married, divorced. I know women that have had kids and are now single and still haven't remarried because they're scared to come out to their family. And like, I'm just like, I, I don't know. I, I just, it makes me feel sad, but I also know that everybody has their own constructs of reality and they can be so stuck and, and fearful that they never actually come out. So. And I think that's, a, 
that's why it's important for us to bring the conversation, right? As opposed to you coming to us with the conversation. Because mm-hmm. you know, as you being someone who we love and care about and consider part of our family, it's important to have these conversations because you never know what someone else is going through. And I mm-hmm. think that as we start building our fan base and our listener base, right? We want to diversify that. We don't want to have the same people listening because I mean, some of these stories are universal, you know, whether or not, um, you know, it's particularly about sexual orientations, people go through things like this that are related to different, different topics. And sometimes mm-hmm. it was hard to tell your parents, oh, I don't want to be a doctor. I want to be a comedian. Or I don't want to do this. I want to do that. And sometimes, like, you need to hear what someone else has gone through and to know that they came out of it on the end of it um, and then and, and they're in a good place um, to be able to have the courage to do so yourself. Mm-hmm. All the people still love it. Listen. Well, and again, I know I, I've said this to you guys many times. I think a lot of the issues that we face stems from this male fragility space. Like, it's not the, the mothers, they might be taken aback, they might be a little bit mad, but we're scared of our fathers, right? We're scared of our fathers because our fathers are the ones that determine, you know, like, I know most, I know women run the household. I know that. But when I'm talking about like in the authority, like, especially over the children and over the boys, you have males that are at the heads of households. And it's almost like they, they're the ones based on their entire lives determine what's good and what's not good. And so when I speak of this male fragility, like, when you come out to a father, most fathers aren't angry at you for being gay. They're fearful for what other people are gonna think about them. And that balance in my understanding of human psychology changed the entire experience for me because it doesn't matter what you say to me. You could say the most hurtful things, but I know it's not about me coming out to you being gay. It's because you're scared of what your mother's gonna say. You're scared of what your cousins are gonna say because now you have a gay son or a gay daughter. So. That's and I know I, I keep I bring that topic up a lot, but it's just I feel like a lot of the things that stem from the household are 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 centered are centered in that. So it's it's an interesting thought when you think about it because it really impacts a lot of other things. I think it has a lot to do with like a, the, I guess the gender gender role or the gender traditional um, gender assignments, yeah, yeah, traditional you know um, gender assignments because of you know there's these expectations. So as I guess as a dad, people would probably say like. Oh, you know, you didn't define those lines of like what's masculine, what's what's allowed as masculine in your house, and what's not allowed as masculine in your house, or you know what, what can be seen as feminine and not. Um, so to the dads, maybe you know it's something that they see as like a failure because they don't really understand what what it is, or maybe mm-hmm. they do and they've been hiding, you know, in their own lives for so long that you know now they're just afraid for their son. That idea and all those is, is, is really the key, and I think it's failure, right? It's them looking at you know their son and saying that I did something wrong, like I mm-hmm. wasn't hard enough on him, I wasn't tough mm-hmm. enough on him, mm-hmm. I let him do things that he shouldn't have been doing, like I didn't do my part. I think that that's really part of it, and I don't know, Tony, if you want to expound on that a little bit about mm-hmm. you know, your relationship with your father and coming out to him if you feel comfortable with that but yeah i do think it's an important conversation because i mean i can tell you about you know my experience with with my father and obviously growing up in jamaican culture where um um the maiming of homosexuals is almost part of the culture right they make Mm -hmm. songs about it they play the songs on the radio people don't even understand what the songs are about Mm -hmm. and you know they make all these songs about like you know um, 
you know, hurting and, and, and maiming people over sexuality. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's part of the culture, right? So um, or my, my stepdad, you know, one thing that he always told us is that, you know, I can forgive you for anything except for two things. Number one, don't call me and tell me you were driving drunk. Number two, don't be gay. Those are wow. only two things. The only <laughs> two things. So one, you could potentially kill people, and the other one, yeah. you're just yeah. So you know that that's how we were. That's how we were raised, right? Uh-huh. You know, we grew up in a, um, you know, a, a pseudo religious religious household. You know, my 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 mom was you know born again. And, uh, you know, my stepdad, his family owned a church or had a church, their own church. So, you know, we grew up in that household where it was very conservative, um, mm-hmm. relatively conservative. Um, we were Republicans. <laughs> <laughs> he always sprinkles that part in there because, you know, they part of Cola Powell tribe. But, yeah, you know, um, so that's how we were raised. So, you know, I guess going through like high school and things like you that that's when you start to come in contact or share the same spaces with people who are gay or potentially gay. And you can, mm-hmm. I, I think there's a certain point where you can kind of um, make the assumption that someone's gay. Right. And like my attitude towards that was always to distance myself from those people. You know what I mean? Not to get to know those people, not to, um, interact with those people because you know I never thought that it was a choice, but I also thought that I also knew that that wasn't something that I wanted to um, be around. Be around, yeah. But associate, associate with, yeah. Associate with, right? Those were people I didn't want to associate with, right? And it wasn't until like maybe like the end of my senior year um, when I started ending up in these circles, um, really just hanging out with Naldo and his cousin Andrew. Uh, where <laughs> so you're blaming it on Naldo? <laughs> no, no, well, well, it's not, it's not blaming. It's really more of, uh, it's attributing it to um, them. Yeah. Um, and and opening like my horizons to different types of people, um, because like my my crew, my clique, my circle was the same up until you know those last couple months of high school, where again I was in these circles with you know white people who I never hung out with, gay people who I never hung out with, um, you know, and it was like oh like all these people are cool. Like, you know? Um, and it's, I was gonna say, it's funny that you even say that because I remember like you, you start stories spinning, you know, when in all the, everyone in high school, everyone thought like I was gay and stuff. Well, not everyone, <laughs> yeah. I guess, I guess Jamal's group of friends thought I was gay. Right? <laughs> it was a running joke, right? We didn't it was that. a joke. Yeah. Just cause I hung out with like girls and stuff and like, I, I wasn't hooking up with none of them. So they, they all just assumed like, oh, you must be gay then. But I guess, I guess it's, to me, it was just like, you know, I never saw it as anything weird or made it made me feel like it's something that I had to be, like be ashamed of hanging around with different types of people. Um, I've always been secure in my sexuality, but this episode is not about me. So I was just well, going to, I, I think I was just making a, the um, reference to the high school. Well, I think this, but the security statement that you're making is where everything stems from. It's this insecurity right. of the unknown of this person's gay. They they're the equivalent of a drunk driver, like stay away from that. Like, so it's like these slow, and I, and this is why I say that the gay experience, while it is specific to our our dynamic, it's very, it's very connected to even 
being an African-American, you know, in the United States, right? Like, it's almost like, it's like these deep subconscious um, beliefs that cause you to treat a person a certain way without even getting the opportunity to know the person. Mm -hmm. And so as a result of that, you start building these like barriers, you know, with people that really, we're all the same on the inside. And I know that mm -hmm. these, this group here knows that, mm -hmm. but like, mm -hmm. it's just, it's that same correlation that like, I'm not an overly flamboyant gay man, but I also know that overly flamboyant gay men are the men that pushed forward our gay rights. It wasn't the men that are like me that can pass for a straight guy, right? Like, so I'm very, very appreciative of that, but it's the whole thing of that security, right? Like you don't beat somebody up if you feel secure in your own space, right? Like you're not gonna be mean or belittle a, a gay person if you're secure in your own space. And as a parent, you're not gonna be mean to your child if they tell you you're gay, if you're secure in your space. But it's these vulnerabilities that cause us to react and then you add in fear and all societal pressures. And that's where you get parents that don't, that disown their kids. And I know mm -hmm. a lot of friends that their parents have disowned them. Mm -hmm. And so the opposite for me was, my parents didn't disown me, but I was still saying, you can still have me in your life, but it's not gonna be on the terms that you want. I'm not gonna be gay when I'm with my friends, then I come over and now I'm a straight boy. And you're, you know, like you're bragging to me about all my successes, but being mm -hmm. gay is like, we don't talk about that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. But I mean, Jamal, I think you just, you talk about a lot of things, even like being a reborn Christian. I very much dislike when people try to hide their ideas about gay people behind religion. Mm -hmm. I'm not asking you if God said this is okay. I'm asking you as your son, I'm asking you as your nephew or your niece, I want to know, can you accept me for what this is? And when people hide behind religion, I think it's very cowardly. Um, I just think in general, using religion as a total reason for everything, it just, it shows that you're not secure enough and you're like, you're using this as, as a space. So, cause my father is um, a reborn, refound, born again, Christian, whatever, whatever. <laughs> I'm making yeah. mad titles. <laughs> I don't know. It's something that it started again. Yeah. Ugh. But you said, you said even like the parents, like that was a statement that my dad would use, right? Like mm -hmm. you're gay because of what I did in my life. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, eh, no, I'm gay because I'm gay, dad. Like this is not, has nothing to do with your past because apparently reborn Christians believe that your children pay for your sins, yeah. but, but God forgives you for your sins, but then makes them so you yeah, it's just like oh, dad, you know what I'll just I'll let that one go. But it's I just don't I just I think it's cowardly. So yeah, a lot of a lot of parents that. feel as though that you know um, their kids are a reflection of them, whatever they decided mm -hmm. to do, so on and so forth. So yeah, that's a common common misconception, y'all. You know I'm, I'm lucky enough for where parents was just on some shit where like they didn't care, like whatever I brought home, whether it be white woman, black woman, Chinese woman, male, whatever, just be happy, son. You know, it literally the words that came out of my dad's mouth. So I had really no reason to feel any kind of way. <laughs> I guess and like you, sexuality I, talk, sexuality talk wasn't something that was like brought up in my house at all. You know what I mean? So I don't even know yeah. like how my mom would have felt about it or anything, you know, but, um, but something else I want to talk about was like, you know, how we feel like we have to identify with like something on the spectrum, you know, like even when you say like African-American or, or like being gay, you know what I mean? Like, there's so many different stories out there. Um, and yours is, you know, like, I'm sure you're not, like, <laughs> the gayest of the gays. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure, I'm sure even on your, on your spectrum, there's some things that you might, like, no, no straight. Gay. 
Like, yeah, like, yeah, it's bad game. <laughs> but he, he'll still find women. He'll still find women attractive or not, right? No. Yeah, but I mean, I'm not gonna try. Right. Like they're pretty. Like I'm like, oh, that's cute. I could say, I could say, like I a mean, guy's handsome or nice. he's good looking. Like it's a good looking guy. Yeah, you know doesn't I mean? make you gay. See, but even right. guys hearing other guys say that, mm-hmm. they're just like, oh, you could think somebody's handsome. I'm like, Doug, you can appreciate beauty. It doesn't make you gay for saying that somebody is attractive. But again, it's that like that insecurity and like right. I don't know. I I think I've just gotten past. We all care about what people think, but I've gotten very selective with who I choose to care about what they think, right? Like, I know that everybody has their opinion and that's cool, but there's only a few select people and some, actually, you, a lot of you are on this call, like, I will call you for advice and I will call you for my thoughts, but I get advice and opinions from everybody, especially when, as my social media was like really growing, I was getting so much feedback and most of it was positive, but then I would get these people that I'm just like, I'm not, if you don't want to watch me if you don't want to watch my videos if you're not interested in what i'm talking about like why are you watching me there's something about me that's stimulating the excitement for you to keep clicking on my on my stories not liking it but then sending a comment you know what i mean it's like so i just i've just learned i pick and choose who i listen to and i also know that the the art of not caring which is a great book like the, the subtle art of not giving a fuck right that is an amazing book if you haven't read that but that concept along with learning to cut people out of your life for, for me as a gay man has helped me substantially. Like if you have an issue with gay people, then you don't benefit from any of my gay accomplishments, right? Like you don't, so I've been, I've been very, very, yeah. Like, because listen, at this point, like I, the other day I went to a meeting to present plans and I have a hat, it's a New York hat, a New York Yankees hat, but it has the gay colors in the hat, right? And I had a moment of like, damn, should I go to a construction meeting with city officials who are older white men and should I wear this hat? What are they gonna think about me? But again, I was like, I'm picking and choosing who I care about. If you're gonna choose not to pass my plans or approve me because I'm wearing a gay hat, then that's something that legally, I know I could have a conversation about, you know what I mean? I may not it'd be difficult to prove it, but I'm always thinking of it like, who do I care about? Who do I not care about? And I'm just learning that I care about less and less people's opinion as I get older. Um, and I just think it's a, a skill that if we don't have it, we'll go crazy. So, so tell us a little bit about, I guess, your experience in being uh, in a straight male-dominated uh, profession, and how that, <laughs> how, how that so, treated you. So you know, it's it's funny because it's, I mean, I'm in construction and and we're developers, so I'm in like meetings with like, again, older gentlemen that um, have been running these things for years, and then I'm on construction sites with like these brute. Like you guys are in like a corporate America space, like, and you deal with people that have to be polite to you, even if they don't really want to be polite to you. Mm -hmm. So there's like this formality that you, that you benefit from in construction. It's not like that. Um, And example is we had people working on one of our sites. They found out I was gay. My business partner happened to be in the building when they were working and they started making gay jokes about me to my business partner. And my business partner said, I'm sorry, is there something that's funny here? And everybody's like, oh, he's like, okay, because yes, Tony is gay. If that's a problem for any of you, you can come and speak to me. And you know my business partner, Wale, a tough Nigerian man. So, but like the idea is just like, the support from my business partner is very, very important because we go into these spaces. But I think just being a gay contractor, like we finish things nicer. Like we make things prettier, right? Like we pick, we pick nice colors. 
You know, we have nice designs. Yeah, it's like straight boys don't think the way that gay boys think, right? Like straight boys. I think it's it's a generalization and I don't appreciate it. Right? I don't like it either, bro. But listen, but men that are insecure are going to say that the fact that you know how to interior design is a gay quality or a gay feature. When in actuality, it's just a spectrum of the straight man. So that wasn't a broad statement. It was pretty specific statement that gay men we have better style than y'all because we just got to take care of ourselves. That's a whole nother like psychological thing too, but oh, man. you want to talk about right. it. Oh my God. <laughs> I take care of myself, bro. Oh, the guy just got some body but butter. Again, and people but thought you were gay. See? Exactly. People didn't think I was gay. That's funny. Yeah. Do you remember we went to that you? banquet and we were at the bar? You remember we went to the banquet and we went to that bar and we were talking to the, the bartender and he was gay and we were having a conversation with him and then you told him that you were gay and he was like, you're the gay one? I would have thought he was the gay one. Like, I did feel a sense <laughs> of pride in that moment because I felt like, oh, man. Like, I was like, like, damn, I'm put together. Yeah, I'm put together. <laughs> exactly. Fly as well. no, Actually, no, it was probably no just your ever lip gloss. Mistakes me. No one ever mistakes me. It was just your lip gloss. That's Nah, man, I never, never, never got that uh, misconception, fellas. So I guess we, uh, we three for four out here. Does it happen to Daldo? Happen to oh, Deuce? Okay, happen to Tony? Nah, bro. Got you. I mean, I mean it's okay. Man. You know, cool and if it did happen to you, you know, nothing it doesn't make you any less of a man, right? Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not saying that you know that that it would make me feel uh, any kind like of he's way. Disappointed period. that he wasn't it's thinking for a gay man. That's what yeah. I, I think. That's what it is. I think that's what it is. <laughs> Wait, I took Reggie to a gay bar in Miami. Reggie was hot stuff in there. I was protecting Reggie. Like Reggie yeah. was standing behind me. Hot I was stuff like, everywhere. Are you kidding me? Hot stuff exactly. Because when everywhere. he does his hair like that, when his hair like, it just it doesn't. Baby. I wanted to show Reggie that gay drinks, gay bar drinks. Like yo, you straight people, bro. y'all be going, y'all be overpaying. Bro. You go to a gay bar, you get like three or four bro. drinks in one. Done. And if you don't know that, you be out here loosey goose, sloppy, right. sloppy. It's so true. I left that. Like, the drinks are actually gross. Rash. And I feel like offended. I'd be like, yo, what are you trying to do? Yeah. Are, you, are you trying to? Can you make it me? better? Like, yeah. Are you trying to get me yeah. drunk, yo? Like, what's the? Like, this no. is not even right. <laughs> like, I feel like you, you're trying but, to take advantage of me. <laughs> Before my eyes. Like, so the bartender, but the bartender when we was in Miami came up, it was just like, hey, bro. He's like, uh, uh, you're not gay, are you? I was like, no. He was, I was like, he was like, yeah, me neither. But the tips here are great. I was like, yo, fam, what's up with these drinks though, bro? You have you pour like half the bottle in my shit. He goes, Yeah, man. The owners actually implore that on gay night. He's like, you know, we, you know, we get things moving along, so to speak. I said, Oh. Oh, moving along. Well, there, there's a there's like a psychological standpoint behind it as well, right? Like, if you have a gay guy who's like questioning or insecure, doesn't really know that he's exactly gay, and it's like what he said. first time at a bar, exactly you're getting him like more said. intoxicated so he could feel more comfortable. So even in that psychology, but now it's just it's part of our culture. And I think when you talk about like dating in the gay culture, it's a whole animal because we have a whole different subset of of things to worry about that you straight boys don't have to worry about. Um, and so drinks is the way to, <laughs> that's part of our culture. And it's kind of sad. That's your inhibitions. Almost. Yeah. Son, yeah, let me tell you something. Two. two drinks is two drinks. And I was like, yeah, we got to go, bro. We got to get about <laughs> yeah. it. It happened to me too, actually. I was, we walked out. I was like, no, <laughs> he said, it happened to me too. <laughs> like, two drinks, two drinks. And it's like, yo, got to go. It's getting hot in here. <laughs> yo, I tell you, all shirts. you got to do is. Everyone's shirt started Stop. coming off. And I was like, yeah, we got to go. Like. Uh, you were there kind of, you were there kind of late. I don't know why you were there at that time. Now you know, you know, the whole, Naldo skipped the whole, the whole part where his shirt was off too. It was like, yo, we gotta go. 
Yo, we gotta go. <laughs> yo, Damn. we gotta go. Yo, we gotta Naldo, go. Naldo went for a late brunch, sit for dinner. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. He was in there. Mm-hmm. He said, so y'all turn this into a little dinner spot? Let me get my shirt off the floor. Hold on. Tony, you have nieces and nephews now, right? Do you feel like you mm-hmm. have to, you feel like you have to like, I mean, they're probably not old enough yet. I don't think so. But do you feel like you're going to mm-hmm. have to come out to them at some point? Do you feel like that's something that you're going to have, like an obligation? Because I never really understood the obligation of like when people feel like they have to say whether they're gay or not or this or that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, my nephews and nieces already know and they're young. Like they're very young, um, like eight. And then other, the other one is like five or four. Um, but the, I mean, yes, I will. Because I, I think that me coming out was it put eyes and I, and I don't, in my family, I know that I hold, people hold me to high regard. So when it came out that I was gay and people were like, now I have a bunch of other family members that started coming out, like I'm gay too, I'm gay too. And so I've had the conversation with family members where they're like, oh, it's because they saw you. And I'm like, that has nothing to do with me. I just told them that it was okay because if you could be polite and courteous to me, you could be polite and courteous to your child because people do, you know, they make a distinction. Oh, as long as it's not my child. And I've had conversations with people like that where I'm like, yo, I pray that your child does not come out gay because if this is the way that you're going to speak to your child, I, I really feel bad because if your child is strong enough mentally, you're going to ruin them. And so will I come out to them if they ask me? Yeah. Honestly, my brothers and sisters, my youngest brother, he knew when he was by eight years old and he would ask for my partner. And so like, my siblings have been probably the biggest advocates for me against my family, if any. And it hasn't really been a lot of my family, just certain people. I actually just came out to my grandma like two weeks ago. Because we what? went to, oh God. Wait, this is so funny. So my dad's mom, we're at her house. And, and, my, and my dad is, this is actually, if you're young, this could be really traumatic. But I'm an adult and I'm just like, lady. Like, so I'm at, I'm at my dad's house and I'm sitting on the sofa next to her. And... My sister's there with her, you know, her man and her kids and my sister's there with her boyfriend. So everybody's there and I'm single. So I'm sitting there and she's like, uh, she's like, oh, when are you going to have kids? And I'm like, oh, I'm not going to have kids. And she's like, she's like, oh, why? And I'm like, I, I just don't really have an interest in kids. She's like, oh, okay, but what about a girlfriend? And I had a moment of like, mm-hmm. I could just say no. <laughs> or I was like, am I like, am I ready to engage in this kind? And I was like, you know what? Blum, let's do this. Blum, I was like, blum. let's have this conversation. So I'm like, no, actually, I'm looking for a boyfriend. And her response was, no, 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 no. I feel, no, 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 no. And so the first thing she says to me, and I knew she was going to say, she said, God isn't going to accept you. And my immediate response to her was, I have a very different relationship with God than you do. And I know that God loves me. It has nothing to do with you, right? And I've only learned that as a result of people using God against me. And I'm not a religious man. I believe in the power of the universe, which I also associate with God. And to me, that's a higher being, not a religion. So I'm engaging in the conversation with her. And I say, oh, don't worry about it. God loves me. She's like, no, no, no. So she's looking for something. And I'm just like, what is she looking for? No, not the Lord. She pulls out the Bible, right? She pulls out the Bible. And now, so I'm sitting right next to her. And so she pulls out the Bible and puts it on my stomach. And I'm looking at her and she's like, She's like, I need to pray for you because God, and I was like, you don't have to pray for me. So now I'm in the living room. My sister is across with her boyfriend and my sister starts to notice at this moment 
that my grandmother is trying to pray the gay out of me. Oh and I'm like, girl, through your belly button, though. This, through my belly, belly button. button. I was like, yeah. you got to put it in different areas. If right? You know, yeah. I door. This is a family program, but. This is a family program, but. I gave but $20 is $20. $20. The first time I saw that shirt, I screamed and died. Uh, so she puts it on my stomach and I'm just looking, I'm like, I'm like, listen, like, I don't, I'm like, listen, it's okay. I don't need your, like, I was like, and I said this to her too. I'm like, I don't, and I would say this to anybody who's coming out. You have to get to the point that you will take their um, approval or you will take their acceptance, but you don't need their approval, right? Like I will take it if you'll accept me, but I don't need your approval. So whether you decide to accept me or not, that's on you, but I'm coming, but that takes a long time to get to. Mm -hmm. Back to the story. Grandma puts my, the, the, the Bible on my stomach and I'm just like, what the hell? So now she pulls the Bible away and now she keeps going. She's like, but you know, why is it? And I was like, I was like, listen, like I, I'm a gay man and I'm like, and I'm, I'm looking for a partner, but I said boyfriend. And I also recognize this. I couldn't say the word gay in Spanish because the way that they would say it is pato, right? Like, mm -hmm. and, but to me, pato is such a derogatory term. So I was just like, I'm gay. Like I said it in mm -hmm. English. So now she, she's going on. So now she stops. And I'm like, okay. Oh, I go, I'm going to go and grab a drink. She's like, oh, you're running away from me. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm just going to grab a drink. And I, I'm like, if you want to have this conversation, we can have it. I come back. She pulls out the Bible again. And now she puts it on my heart. So now I'm sitting in my living room and I'm just looking at her. And she's like, she's like, God, she's like, listen, I want you to get into heaven. And I was like, yo, I'm getting into heaven. Like, I don't know what, so the end of the conversation, like, so then she just sat there, like we sat there awkwardly. And I was just like, do you have any more questions? Like, are you good? And then that was like the end of it. I haven't told my dad this story yet, but like it happened a few weeks ago and I was just like, but I think about it. If I was a 13 year old boy saying that and you tell me God doesn't love me, but you've taught me that God is the one that I need the approval for. Why would you say that to a kid? Mm -hmm. That's based in your fear. You know what I mean? That's based in your fear, your insecurity. So, but as an adult, I'm like, I'm ready to engage in this conversation. And I don't feel like I owe it to her, but I just felt like she was asking for it. <laughs> I was about to get extra gay too. Like, abuelita, no te preocupes. Tú está bien. About to put the Bible on the chain for you. Oh, no, but it was yeah. crazy. Oh, she kissed man. it, put it on my stomach, put it away, kissed it, put it on my heart. I was like, Grandma, mad uh, prayer calls right now. I'm telling oh, you right man. now. How, yo, it's about four right o'clock in the morning right now. That's so yeah. endearing, though, that she put it like on your chest and like prayed, kissed it, and put it on your chest. Like she really wanted to pray the gay out. I, I'm really <coughs> grateful for you and your experience um, because, you know, just going back to my dad, right? Like me and Aldo have been friends for 20 years, right? Me and Reg have been live brothers for going on. 17 years right mm. out of all my friends the only one he ever asked about is tony mm. the only one he ever asked mm -hmm. about is tony. Mm. you know asked about naldo he'll ask about reg mm. the only one he ever asked about is tony you know it's, it's really a testament to like the person who you are um and he's probably the only you're probably the only gay person that he knows but i think that you have erased all the stigmas um, that he had in his mind around gay people. And I think... I appreciate that. Yeah. And, and, and I think that those are the types of um, relationships that people really need to have to erase the stigmas. 
mm-hmm. and again, yep. you know, again, it, it, it surprised me because you know he he actually he'll actually say the words "I love that guy." Oh, that's you what's know? up, man. But I am feeling a certain kind of way, yo, because me and you, <laughs> man, we had some meaningful ones too, y'all. Like, no, that's I'm what's up, you. though. That's what's up. That's what's up. Tell Rudy I said what's up, though. Yeah. It's really the impact, though, right? Now I'm just playing, man. Yeah, it's really the impact because, like, boy, what, what you've done for him is you've changed him, mm-hmm. right? You've changed his outlook. You've changed his his um, perspective on, on, on things. And you've essentially changed his life in a way that, um, you know, it, it would have been very hard to do Otherwise, I, I couldn't convince my dad that it's okay to be friends with gay people. You know what I mean? Mm. By him meeting you, it's completely changed that for him. Like, now I'm the go-to gay person. <laughs> I'm the go-to person for all That's things awesome. gay. I'm the go-to person for all things gay. You're the liaison. You're the progressive gay liaison. liaison. <laughs> yeah, I'm the progressive liaison for uh, gay people in my family. So, you know, you, you've really, like, well, your, your story has impacted my family in that way. I, I appreciate that. And I, honestly, all of your families have always been so kind to me. You know what I mean? Like, even at Reggie's wedding, I remember, <laughs> I remember I'm in like, oh, so we're by the pool now. So now you're seeing gay Tony. And I have my little shorts on and I was wearing like a shawl. I don't know if you I remember mm-hmm. that shawl that I had. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I remember walking by and Reggie's dad is there with like his aunt and like it was a few of them. And I had like this moment, like, I'm like, you know, when you know somebody's looking at you, but I was just like, yo, like, the, but it was like they were all looking at me, and then later on, they're like, "Wow, that was a really nice yeah. shawl that you had on." Yo, my and pops I was like, actually, ah. my pops actually came up to me after he saw you with that shit on. <laughs> he I was like, know. "Yo, that's a good color." <laughs> <laughs> I think I asked about the shawl too. Yo, this was, this was a pretty. Yo, cool. he said, "Tony on that mop." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know who wears a totally shawl. Good out here, hundred degree yeah. Mexican weather. But... I don't know who wears a shawl poolside uh, either. Yo, <laughs> my man went and spent either. his whole uh, uh, cash app on hella <laughs> scarves down there, son. No, but, but Jamal, like you were saying about like that impression, I have always been aware that I am the first in a lot of places, mm-hmm. and and as a result of that, I've carried myself as such. So. Even coming out as a gay man, I knew that when I was going to your house or seeing your family, that I was representing an entire community behind me. You know what I mean? So like, and even in every experience, I, I recognize that I do have certain amount of influence and it's not like I, I just recognize it because like, even an example with your dad, like I know that it's not common to have a gay person there, especially like in a Jamaican culture, or even in Haitian culture. Like it's just any culture that, is Caribbean or South American is just there's like this stigma behind it. So I've always taken that with an ounce of responsibility um, in how I carry myself. Um, but then I noticed that they'll accept me, but not the gay queen that is like too effeminate. You know what I mean? And so now our the gay initiative is now to look at even the most feminine gay man as an equivalent to me because they are, but in the straight community they're the female, they're like the, 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 the girly girl, when in reality, we all are, it's just a matter of how much we, we show it. So I really appreciate you saying that. That really made me feel very nice. I th- thank you, that, that's really sweet, so. So did you feel like you Thanks. were representing the whole community on this podcast this evening, and that's why you dress like a lesbian? Mm. 
<laughs> you looking real Ellen esque though. Yeah, definitely. Very Sinead O'Connor. I just want to say, Tony, <clears throat> Tony slept in my bed for six months prior to him coming out, and I, I just, you know, that changed my perspective on, on I guess, gay people because, you know, two years later when he came out, I was like, man, he didn't try anything, so. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he saw you attractive. Like, which was, which was, yeah, right, right, right. No, there was like, I tried everything. And nothing worked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I said, I tried everything. Nothing worked. Six months, man. He didn't even touch me. It, it was a toe stripe. It was a turn off. It was the toe stripe. Tony don't like toe stripes, dog. Wow. Yo, you guys Tony mentioned Tiger. the toe stripe. You guys mentioned the toe stripe in one of your episodes, and I saw his toe. Like it was like, like you know, when you get scared. I was like, oh. like I know exactly what that toe looks. Like. Glad I could have that impact on you guys, man. That, that oh, tiger stripe toe, so that's uh, funny as fuck. Yeah, man. So, so Tony, tell the people where they can find you if they're looking. Lessons, if they're looking, um. Um, my OnlyFans, no. Um, Lessons from Tony is my <laughs> IG. <laughs> it's, it's one word, Lessons from Tony. Uh, I know we didn't talk about what I do, but there's some lessons. Uh, if you're interested, in following me. I'm on IG, and that's it. Just IG, Keep Lessons from Tony. Simple. Real simple. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the demographic right there. Cool, cool, cool. I have another meeting in like five minutes. I've been, I've been in meetings all day. Oh, Tony's so important. Yeah. Well, thanks for having us. All right, okay, bye. Well, that's the podcast. Like, follow, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Read us, view us, all that good stuff. Don't forget to share. There you go. Yo, so it's mad crazy how you you said you got me in five minutes. Don't nobody had no me in at eight twenty seven. All right. At eight thirty. You just lied to us. Just go to your meeting, y'all. Get out of here.